You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. What's going on, everybody? It's Monday, November 14th, and this is the College Football Daily. I'm your host, Nick Costco, and they have a big episode for you today in the Big 12. Taylor Estes of Horns 24 7 is going to join me on the show, so let's bring her in right now, not waste any time. Taylor, thanks for joining me this morning. It's interesting because I look at Texas with this loss to TCU, and everyone thought, well, maybe the Longhorns pull up a big upset, knock out the Big 12 of the college football playoff entirely, but the TCU Horn Frogs still undefeated, probably still going to be in the top four when it comes to Tuesday's rankings. But Texas showed a little moxie, but also didn't show a little moxie as well. So what were your biggest takeaways from Saturday night's game? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest takeaway is the defense's performance. I mean, this was a TCU team that was tied for third in scoring offense in college football and was the top scoring offense in the Big 12 going into this game. They were averaging over 40 points per game, and the Texas defense really just shut them down throughout. I mean, the fact that Texas was able to hold TCU to 17 points, came up with a huge block field goal in the first half of the game, um, you know, had a 3 nothing deficit going into halftime, but the offense was getting the ball coming out of the halftime. I mean, you can ask for a better defensive performance. And um, I have not said that very often. And honestly, in covering uh, Texas football over the last decade, the defense has been kind of the up and down, um, sometimes a clown show, honestly, Nick, at times. And uh, this Texas defense really came, they played lights out. And, uh, you know, it's really unfortunate, I would say, for the Longhorns, because with the defense playing as well as they could, the offense only scoring three points is just, it's a head scratcher when you have Steve Sarkeesian as the head coach, who is an offensive guru. I mean, this is a guy that honestly has his job at Texas as a head coach of Texas because of his offensive pro- prowess, you know, what he did to Alabama as Nick Saban's play caller. And when the offense is just, it wasn't even stuttering, I would say it was non-existent. I mean, it was just unbelievable to see how badly it was shut down couldn't get anything moving. And it seemed like Steve Sarkeesian started calling the game from a little bit of a scared and not really aggressive mentality. At this point, Nick, I kind of make the joke like for a guy whose mantra is all gas, no breaks with the way that the offense has been playing in the second half of games. And then if you look at the overall TCU performance, it's like, Sark, it might be time to change that mantra right now. (laughs) No doubt. So you actually, you're jumping into my next question right there was that, that the defense obviously stood out against TCU, but that offense, I mean, obviously Quinn Ewers has been playing pretty much lights out this year. And obviously, there was an argument earlier in the season where, well, if he had finished that Alabama game, we're talking about maybe Texas beating Alabama. This Longhorns team was going to be in the thick of the playoff race just a few weeks ago if Ewers was actually healthy all season. Obviously, B. John Robinson, high expectations for him all season long. It's not that he's playing bad, but Ewers and Robinson shut down on Saturday against TCU. I mean, what, what do you chalk that up as? As just a, maybe a lackluster game plan offensively? Or was TCU's defense actually, you know what? They actually have a good defense too. You know, I think it was probably a little bit 
a combination of both, honestly, a little bit. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like it does start with Steve Sarkeesian being the offensive play caller for Texas. Um, when you have a guy like Bijan Robinson at your disposable and you're your freshman quarterback is struggling to connect with any of his receivers, the receivers, even the passes that, you know, were catchable balls to the receivers, the receivers were dropping it. I mean, the passing game was a mess. And if you have a guy like Bijan Robinson on your team, giving him only 12 carries in a game is almost, it should be criminal. Honestly. I mean, this is a guy earlier in the season. Um, there was a game where Steve Sarkeesian talked to Bijan Robinson was like, Hey, we're going to keep giving you the ball because one of these is going to break off and bust off for a big run. It's like the levy's going to break at some point, especially when you have an elite running back like Bijan Robinson and running back room in general that Texas does have. And it's like that whole thought process seems to be out the window if Bijan Robinson doesn't break off for a big run early in games. And, and you know, with, with a talent like that, I feel like 12 carries should never be something that we're talking about, especially when a freshman quarterback is struggling the way it is. I mean, that falls on the play caller, that falls on the head coach. And obviously, TCU had a really good defensive game plan. I mean, they, they loaded the box, so the numbers were really not there in the run game, um, played good man coverage on the receivers. And then they had safety help, help over the top, which really limited Xavier Worthy and any type of explosive play that Texas t- typically can at least connect with at least one, you know, in games between Quinn Ewers and Xavier Worthy. So I would say TCU gets a ton of credit for being able to kind of knock Sark, I think, off of his normal play calling stool and uh, kind of be start calling the game, you know, kind of a shell of himself, I would say a little bit. But, you know, I, I just I, I can't look at the way that Bijan Robinson plays, the type of player that he is, and excuse him only having 12 carries, especially when Quinn Ewers was started off, I think went started off the game 0 for 7. It's like, you don't abandon the run at that point. And, you know, the levy's going to break at some point. It broke for TCU. I mean, they really did not do much at all on the run game, but they did bust off one run. It was one run that broke and they got a 75-yard touchdown run on it. So, you know, I feel like that Sonny Dykes kind of called the game that you probably wanted to see Steve Sarkeesian, you know, calling with the run game, with the passing game just not really connecting and he just didn't do it. So definitely a disappointing day for Steve Sarkeesian. It's probably a game that he's going to look back at and have a lot of questions himself, considering he is the one calling that offense. I really could not do anything against this TCU defense. Now, I don't know if it's just me reading a little bit too much into this from a national perspective, but obviously everyone knows that Sarkeesian is pretty good on the recruiting trail as well. They landed Arch Manning. He's coming in next year. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Quinn Ewers, but after a performance like this, I mean, is there chatter about, well, maybe this guy isn't going to be the quarterback for the next two to three years until he goes to the NFL. Maybe it's time that a guy like Arch Manning, when he comes in as as a true freshman in 2023, takes that spot immediately. I mean, is yours a problem or is it just one of these, you know, it was a one-off bad night for everybody at the office? I would say, I would probably say the latter. It was probably just more a one-off bad bad um, game for the offense in general. I mean, Quinn Ewers, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, after the game, he talked about it, that quarterbacks oftentimes get way too much credit and way too much blame, you know, in the outcome of games. And at the end of the day, I feel like Quinn Ewers was such almost like a unicorn, Nick, when he transferred to Texas. I mean, this is a guy, you know, had the spotlight on him from a really young age, number one prospect in the country in the 2022 recruiting class initially, you know, reclassified, excuse me, commits to Ohio State, enrolls early, a whole year early, which he should have been playing his senior year of high school at that point. I mean, when he came to Texas, it was like the expectation was all American or bust a little bit. And it's kind of like, well, hold on here. This kid's a freshman who hasn't played college or hasn't played football for two years and let alone college football yet. So I think what you're seeing from Quinn Ewers and, you know, he's had two 
poor performances. The Oklahoma State game was the first one. And then the game against TCU. I think you're seeing a lot more of just like the freshman mistakes that you typically expect from a freshman quarterback, um, especially one that, you know, started off the season pretty well and then missed a month of games because he was injured in the first quarter of that Alabama game. You go back to that first quarter of the Alabama game. I mean, that Texas offense was rolling and Quinn Ewers was unstoppable. And, you know, as you said earlier, the question is, if Quinn Ewers would have played that game, would Texas have beaten Alabama in week two? I think so. I think that's a legitimate question and probably the accurate answer. But, you know, there's no what if answer buts. But I really just think at the end of the day, he had a freshman game and Texas fans don't want to hear that. They Obviously, they don't. I don't think that at this point, Steve Sarkeesian is in any position to where he's going to be relying on Arch Manning to start next year. And honestly, I don't know if the Manning family would like that. I mean, from everything that we have heard about him is the expectation is for her to him to learn the college game, maybe even have a redshirt season. So if that was the expectation, I would be probably a little bit alarmed about if Arch Manning would end up signing with Texas, honestly, because I don't think that was the way it was pitched to him at all. He's kind of a different recruit where he's not expecting to start day one, where a lot of times these five stars, especially like number one prospects in the country, they expect to be day one starters. That is not anything that we have heard from the Arch Manning camp um, ever since he committed to Texas. So really, I just think you're seeing the growing pains of Quinn Ewers. You saw them with Sam Ellinger his freshman year. And um, I think he has kind of got to work through them just like, you know, Tom Herman did and Texas did. And Sam Ellinger became a pretty good quarterback for Texas. It's just the expectation has always been Quinn Ewers is going to be like a Heisman contender or something. And it's like, based off what? His recruiting ranking from two years ago? I mean, it's just, I think he just has the such a high expectation that a lot of, you know, players in his position don't typically have. And he had a bad game and now all the people are questioning him. And it's like, Uh, He had a game like a freshman and it's unfortunate that it happened at home. It's unfortunate he's had two of those games, but it is what it is, you know, and, and at some point, you kind of, I kind of go back to Steve Sarkeesian being the offensive play caller when he's not connecting on these deep passes at all in this game. Why do you keep calling these deep shots for him? I mean, maybe throw in some passes to Bijan Robinson out of the backfold, which has been fairly successful, or Roshan Johnson too. And none of that was on the script at all for Texas. So, you know, I, I, feel for Quinn Ewers. He's going to get a ton of blame for this. Had a poor game for sure. But at the end of the day, I, I would chalk this up more as just a freshman kind of learning on the fly. A lot of expectations for Texas in all areas of football. Step aside, take a quick break. Keep it locked here. It's College Football Daily on 24-7 Sports. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. 
So, Taylor, looking ahead now, two games left for Texas. They're not out of the Big 12 title race just yet, but as we broke down before the show, Kansas State, Oklahoma State both need to lose a game apiece. Texas has the tiebreaker over Kansas State due to the head-to-head win, but Oklahoma State has that head-to-head win, so unfortunately, they need to drop a game as well because they have the same amount of losses. or you know They're, they're the same in the loss column right now in terms of their conference record, so not out of the woods yet for uh, the Big 12 saying, you know, get away, Texas. You know, TCU is already in the Big 12 title game, but they're winning that uh, second team to get in there. So I'm looking ahead now. Do you see this Texas team getting in there? Of course, they don't control their own destiny now, but need a little bit of help. The window is open. Six and four, maybe eight and four, and then, then they have a rematch against TCU. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy that that's even a question on the table right now with two games left in the season, Because um, just because I think of how some of the losses have gone for Texas. But yeah, I mean, they don't control their own destiny. They would definitely need some help from other teams um, losing. I almost feel like at this point, Kansas State is probably in the driver's seat for the second team in the Big 12 title game. Um, I don't have their schedule up in front of me, but I think that they definitely have some winnable games. They play a uh, excuse me, West Virginia and Kansas in the next two weeks. So I think the expectation is probably going to be for Kansas State to win those two games. But who knows? This Big 12 has been really weird this year, Nick. I mean, this has been, you never know what team is going to upset the other one. I mean, look at what West Virginia did to Oklahoma last night. I mean, they just destroyed them. Look what K-State did to Baylor, just absolutely annihilated them. I mean, this is a really, I would say, um, pretty even Big 12. And I don't know if many people expected that. I, for one, did not going into the season. I usually expect the top heavy and then the bottom of the bottom, you know, the bottom of college football, but even Kansas, I mean, shoot, they, they got bowl eligible the same day that Texas did. That's kind of crazy to think about that Kansas had not made it to a bowl game since 2008. So yeah, I mean, there, there's a slight possibility, but if you look at what Kansas state still has on the, the schedule, it seems like that's probably the shoe in for the second team to play TCU for the big 12 title, but who knows? I mean, Texas fans got to, you know, root for, the Mountaineers and the Jayhawks <laughs> over the next few weeks. And um, I'm not sure who Oklahoma State has, but yeah, they, they've got to be some fans of some other Big 12 schools, um, even if they were ones that they did lose to. Taylor S is with me on the College Football Daily on 24-7 Sports. Appreciate you joining me, Taylor. Where can everybody find you and your work on social media and online? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Taylor Estes 24-7. And then um, my work is always over at horns247.com. There's a lot of content and a lot of upset Texas fans right now, but still some games left. So uh, it's a good thing that Texas will at least be bowl eligible. I'll say that. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Hardest working woman in Texas. Taylor, I appreciate the time as always. Keep it locked here for further programming. Of course, if you can like, share, and subscribe to the College Football Daily on wherever you get your podcasts as well. I am Nick Costco. Follow me on Twitter as well at NickCosco59. Once again, College Football Daily right here on 24-7 Sports. Thanks for listening. Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!